Welcome to Business and Investing with Grant and Charlie, where we are enhancing your complete set of skills to build wealth inside and outside your business. You're tuning in whilst we are away on our getaway. I don't even know. What, what do you call these things, Charlie? The perfect balance of podcasting. Yep. Thinking time. Yep. Golf. Yep. Food. Yeah, I'm going at, with it. At investment philosophies. Because I did put an offer on an investment property just as we were starting this. And you know what's awesome? What is awesome? If anyone's listening to this and you actually do want to figure out if I got the property or not, you're going to have to go over to our other podcast, which is called Property and Investing with Grant and Charlie, to go and find out all of the updates around that. So again, it's called Property and Investing with Grant and Charlie. Pretty simple. Don't give it away. Right, keep it like oh, I'm just like, am I oozing to give it? Anyway, I won't. Let's cue the disclaimer. It's Charlie here from Business and Investing, and I need to let you know that Grant, myself, and the Business and Investing team are in no way, shape, or form qualified to give you personal or specific financial advice. We strongly encourage you seek out and use professionals when you are making investment decisions or comparing investment products. Grant, what a cliffhanger in the intro. I really liked it. I feel like if you looked back when we started, my marketing ability was like trash. And now it's like a two out of 10. Do you know what? If you look back, I feel like our intros have gotten worse. (laughs) The intros were like an eight out of 10 and now they're like a two. (laughs) I will say I appreciate so many of the comments we get from our (laughs) fans and audience about these intros. You know how hard I, I almost spend more time on the intro than I. No, I'm just joking. But yes, it shows. But I was going to say, that. <laughs> you shouldn't have said anything. What are we talking about? <laughs> I feel like this ties into something we've been discussing a lot this weekend, which is the End Game, and not Avengers End Game. Although, if you did want to watch that movie while we're away, I'm down. I'm actually on, down for that. Potentially, potentially, only because it will continue on this theme. But yes. Yeah, so something we've discussed quite numerously uh, between ourselves is the idea that you've got to play out the end game, right? You don't get to this point in business where it's like, oh, cool, that's just all going to work out itself. Totally. You've got to put in some thought and planning to it. Now, for anyone that is interested, I will drop another plug for our other podcast. Do it. Go for it. We did a whole episode just on property end games and talking about the difference in like a sell-down strategy into retirement or your version of retirement or whatever that is. Versus holding a portfolio for the cash flow. Yep. And just how like they're very different and strategically you want to set yourself up to make sure you're on that path because they're conflicting at the same time. Yep. Now, bringing this into the business world today, I feel like this is even more important. I feel like this is a bigger, bigger conversation to have here. Do you feel as though most business owners have, have an idea about this or do you think this is something that they just like in the grind and they'll think about it later? Yes, I feel like this is one of those topics that doesn't get discussed enough and I feel like this is one where hindsight would be the word that I would use numerously here. I wish I knew back at the time. Can can I use an example? Totally. All right, so someone's running a business today, right, and then assumptively they think someone's going to buy it. Yeah. But you know what? They spend the 10 years leading up to when they actually want to stop this business not setting up for that at all. <laughs> when, they, when they want to sell it, it's usually because they just want to get out. <laughs> so I'm out. I'm done. Like, so someone else take it. 
Or they build a personal brand in it. Yeah, totally. So it's like if you're right now in a personal brand business, which is still sellable but much harder to sell, I would say, maybe in the 10-year lead up to you wanting to exit this business, maybe build it so it isn't as reliant on you so that it can be sold. Maybe. Yeah, the common story is a lot of people are so busy running their busy business, they're so busy in it that eventually they hit this point where they are in the end game. Yeah. And it looks like they're just not going to be able to pull it off. That's when they actually start. Yeah. Where if you start much earlier on in the journey, like the end game is much easier. Totally. Or they just get they just get to this point where they're just like, I'm done, I'm out. And then it but it just doesn't look appealing to anybody else and no one else wants it. Because what was the statistic? It was like 60% or something like that of all businesses that went out for sale did not sell. Do you know, do you know going back to a story I'd love to share here, um, I made an exit on my first agency. And uh, for a brief period of time, I went into the world of like buying and selling businesses. I thought that may be, may be something I do. And I had a, a really interesting conversation with a broker. I'm with a broker and I was like, <laughs> I guess I should even shed more light here. I had just had an experience where someone was being incredibly real, unrealistic on selling their business. Like they didn't have a good business and it wasn't making money and it didn't have good assets and they wanted like 400 grand for it. Of course. So <laughs> it sounds I, reasonable. I was ridiculous, <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. And I'm talking to this broker and I say to him, I'm like, how do you deal with that? I'm like, you're a savvy guy. You've sold a lot of businesses. You clearly would know what a business needs to look like to sell. Versus not sell. Totally. Like when someone comes in, it's like, cool, I make a million dollars a year. It's all automated. It's in a niche. You're like, sweet, I know this is going to yeah, sell. Yeah, everyone wants this thing. Yeah, this thing's a train wreck. How do you deal with it? And what he said to me is like, he goes, this business is unlikely to ever sell. And I said, how many of the businesses you deal with don't sell? And he said to me that two out of three that he lists don't sell. The owners end up choosing to run them out or shut them down. How incredible. Which is in line with the stat. Yeah. But I just couldn't believe it was so like localized. That was that his, his experience. And I said, well, how do you run a business like this? And he said, well, we would love to be an organization that just took commissions for the businesses we sell, but they had to change their business model to be part fee and part commission. Because if they went just commission, they wouldn't make enough money because so few sell. Two-thirds of the work. Amazing. Is there. Another thing he said to me that was really interesting is that he's got a list of people that it's like if a business comes in that looks like this. Just flick it to them. Flick them to them straight yeah, yeah, away. Yeah. So he used an example. He's like if anyone comes in with a rent roll business he's got um, that's doing at least a million dollars and has it is in this location straight to me. Yep. So they don't even get listed. Yep. So it was a very, very interesting thing that the world of buying and selling businesses in itself is a unique thing. And I would make the suggestion if – Selling a business is part of your end game. And we, I know we're going to talk about this yeah. more uh, in depth. You would probably want to talk to a broker and find out what buyers are looking for. Because if you could start setting up the criteria for the guy to flick it across so it's an easy sale, what a difference that could make in your end game. But I like how many business owners are out there that are running a great business, stupidly profitable, like minimal time effort, et cetera, go, you know, the best thing for me to do is sell this right now. It's like having this property investment portfolio, this like minimal debt, spinning out cash, growing year on year. It's like, yeah, this is a great idea for me to sell this. <laughs> like it takes such a mature person to say that, that I think that that's like the 1% of businesses that are for sale versus the 99% where people's like, I need to get out of this thing. This is 
not exactly where I want to be or I just need to get into retirement. Like I see that that would be a greater amount than the other. Yeah, so the wiring's broken here. Uh, and I, I'd love to frame this up before we, we get into some of the points. Is like if you imagine you're busy running your business, it, it's hard to get a business to work well. I don't think anyone who listens to this is going to say business is easy. Or what's the Charlie Munger quote? You know, anyone who says business is easy is stupid. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I love that quote. Uh, but the point being is that it's like you're so busy running your business, you're so busy in the thick of it. A lot of us just don't ever invest outside our businesses Completely. because we're so into that in itself. Right? But then the second side of that is that we don't think about this end game. So we are all likely to get to a point in our business where we either want to sell it or make it into some sort of lifestyle business, but there's going to be a change that's hap- that happens. And it might be for health reasons, might be for a variety of reasons, but we have some sort of assumption sitting within that. And that assumption is the dangerous one. So you might assume your kids are going to take over your business, or yes. you might assume that your business is going to be sellable, or something I know we're going to be talking about later, you might assume your business is going to exist yeah, 20 years from now. It's going to be relevant. Yeah, yeah, people like, are still going to want the thing technology might innovate and there is like your end game needs to look very different than someone who is again has a business that might last that long totally right so this whole awareness piece to an end game needing to be a priority and something you do have a plan for just like retirement planning with like what like what we've discussed with ray i think is a really important part of this discussion so before we get deeper into it what i wanted to say is i think the end goal for Every business owner who's listening to this and ourselves, well, I'll even put ourselves, I won't uh, necessarily put on what other people have to believe, but you want to get to a point where you're completely financially free so you have options. And whether that comes from selling a business, getting cash out of it, other investments, that's what everyone's working towards in this business in some way. All right, that's, that's the shape up here. Uh, how you do that, is where it gets interesting. Oh, that is the fun part. That is the fun part. Okay. And it's so simple because there's so many different directions to get to the same outcome. Like there's so many different ways to get to financial freedom. But also financial freedom is slightly different for everybody. But it's like most business owners are just like, I just wanted time freedom and money freedom, Charlie. That's all I need. And it's like, okay, well. Well, that's where this conversation is going to get interesting. Can I read out the different ways first? And then <laughs> totally. we'll go into Let's it. So I'll shape this up. So what are the end games? Okay, so... First one, which we've kind of highlighted already, is an end game for many business owners, well, only 33% apparently, <laughs> is selling your business. Yes. Yeah. So the idea being is you're going to get to a point in your journey where maybe you're going to exit it and you might start another business or do something else or you might do nothing. But selling it, the proceeds of that business are going to be the thing that gets you into that financially independent mode or significantly wealthy if you're uh, lucky enough to do it in that way where you can enjoy your retirement years. Yep. That's, your, that's your end game. And I want to put this in as well. Retirement's whatever you want to make it. You can start another business. You can, you can do whatever you want, but that's the one that's there. Second one, passing it on to kids, which we've hinted on as well. So at some point in the journey, you're going to start transitioning out and the next generation is going to uh, take that over from there. I want to throw a little one in on this as well, is that this might be passing on to an employee in the business. Like a second in charge or something. It could yeah. be an uncle, right? It's yeah. just, it doesn't matter who it is, but it's a passing it on method is the end game. Yep. All right. The third one is a cash cow. So this is where there is no intention to shut down the business. There is no intention to sell the business. You are just going to milk this thing for all it's worth. Um, and 
commonly this is like lifestyle businesses where someone like wants to do it in their retirement years. Um, but there's other ones out there like painting businesses. So if you think of like, uh, like I'll use JK Rowling as an example where she's written these Harry Potter books and then she's going to continue to receive royalties from the book in itself. So she may not look to be selling the you know overall rights to Harry Potter, but yep. she'll continue to milk that for all it's worth. There's, and there's a ton of different it's ones heaps. as you can see, like franchises yeah. fall into that, rent roll, licensing businesses. Patents, everything. Yep. Maybe at another point we should uh, highlight the attractiveness of some of these business models, which are really cool. But and hopefully people are understanding that different endgames are only available to certain businesses and business types here as well, and you need to be aware of the one you're in. The, the, the caveat on that, like, did you note that we, when we spoke about cash cows, it wasn't like a services business that's got high profit because, again, like trends suggest that it's not going to be around forever. <laughs> so it's like everything that we've referred to is kind of like pretty unstable to an extent. Like you just can't go and produce a, a new Harry Potter. <laughs> like It's like it will be around for probably her lifetime where she's not sitting there going, maybe I'm going to have a second one of these, Charlie. Like it's like, no, cool, like quite stable. So let's come back to that point. I'll yeah. read the last one and then I think the m- most important starting point is understanding what in-games are available to you based on the business you're in. Can I guess the last one? Well, you've got the notes. Shh. Pretend like I don't. Okay. Yes, you can guess it. Close it. Yes. <clears throat> I think people are surprised by how common that is as well. I reckon out of all these, that is probably the most common. Like if you were to put a percentage to sell out Give to kids or call a pass on. So sell out, pass on, cash cows, and closing. I reckon closing would be easily about fifty percent of businesses. I think it's just the easier approach. It's just like cool. Well, I got it to this point, and no one wants it. I'm out. I'm done. Actually, if you've all right, so if you've done so well in business and you've been uh, following the idea that you're investing outside your business and you've accumulated a huge portfolio of all of it, real estate, stocks invested in other businesses, you've got a great superannuation, all these things. Closing is a great option. Like what do you need it for? The burden of running the business might be the thing chewing up your time and you might want to get good at golf or start another business. Golf, that's that's great. But I I think on the other side, a lot of people just end up having to close because they've got no other other choice. Like like Assumptively, they thought it would sell and then they're faced with the reality that that isn't what's going to happen. Or assumptively, they thought their kid would take it on or assumptively, they thought it would be a cash cow to which it all was not. I would make the argument that I think closing it can make a lot of sense for people as well if you don't. If you do it well, it can be a great option. It's not even a negative option. It's just most of the time. I love that framing. Yeah. Can I use an example of that before we dig back into that point? Do it. Let's say you're in the wind down mode of a business, right? And you know, five years from now, I'm planning on closing it. So rather than having someone else, rather than having the realization that you have to close it, you actually set the intention five years from now, I'm shutting this thing down. All your decision making then turns into how do I extract the most out of this and sell this down in a way where I can move that into investing assets to look after me once this is done? Totally. Or that it's just uh, how can I, yeah, how can I minimize expenses as much, extract out as much profit and just let this thing fizzle out. Clients will start leaving, uh, people won't, new clients won't come on board and it will just continue fizzle out and I'll just go. Well, you're not going to invest in things that aren't going to pay off for 10 years if you know you're on a five-year run, right? Yeah, you're not going to come out with new products, you're not going to change anything. It's just like, cool, lifestyle, let's see where this leads. Maximization of profits. Exactly. So strategically, that that can be a really, really good play. I, I like that a lot. Let's go back to this other point though and then I think we can dig into each of these a bit more. 
the first thing I had a very real realization of is the end games that are available to you are very dependent on the business model you're in. Very. Totally. Totally. To the point that the business model that you select at the start will force you into not having specific end games. So to use some examples here, and I, I look at these ones here, if you're in, I'm going to use an actor as an example here. So if you're Brad Pitt, right, your end game is very much going to be uh, tailored around like you are the work. Yeah. Right. And I know actors and stuff can, and maybe that is a bad example because a lot of them get royalties as well on the side of the things. If they've if they've negotiated well, like there are some, there was a kid on like Superbad that got royalties and he's got paid more than most people. <laughs> Amazing. <I laughs> this is because the others just right, do I'm going to change it. It's okay, a personally yeah. branded coaching business. Go for it. Okay, so you're you're someone today that's uh, the personal brand of your business. You run a podcast, you run a co- uh, coaching business, and like, and it's you doing the work, right? It's not a very attractive business model to sell. Yeah, because the only way a sale would get made in that way well, there's actually two ways. One is you sell it and agree to be an employee of that business and keep running it, which probably doesn't fit your end game. Yep. Um, or two is that you're going to have to transition that whole business to being one where you're not the face of it. Totally. Only person I've seen pull that off really well would be Brad Sugars with Action Coach. Action Coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in general, I haven't seen a lot of coaching businesses sell well. And when I say sell well, is like even the multiple they get on them if they do sell is quite low. But even I've seen businesses that have been taken over by other people and so they run it and then they pay them like a model fee. So every month you get paid or like a, a, a large percentage of uh, revenue. Uh, but the problem is that they stop being congruent with the brand. To to use your fitness example, imagine having someone that like really fit and looks good and then you come and buy the business from me. What's the incentive for me to continue looking fit and doing good because I'm not running the business anymore? <laughs> so then you have the risk of me not being congruent with it. Like there's just so many other things that come into play. Well, in the case of end games, the very much intention is to go do something else. Totally. So it's gain like, weight. <laughs> if someone's been a fitness model their entire life and goes, you know what, I want to try on this being overweight thing. Who who am I to say? <laughs> What was that guy that went like from fit to fat to fit? Great documentary. <laughs> Great documentary. It's, uh, totally. Uh, I'm, I'm going to list out a few more. It's like uh, agency. Like I, I yeah. sold an agency, which I've been very uh, in a very fortunate position where I have done that. But I have to acknowledge the multiple was terrible as well. Like I got basically like just under two times profit. Yeah. And it's like... For two some, times profit or revenue? Uh, uh, no, two times profit. Profit. Yeah, yeah, got to get it. So to think that I could have just run that business for another two years and got the same out of it isn't very appealing in a sale when you can compare it to some of the multiples people get in the SaaS world, for example. Totally. totally. So my e-com when I saw it was trash too. Like it was just isn't that fascinating, right? Yeah. So like these personally branded businesses where someone is required as the business owner to keep them going, not attractive for sale. Service businesses. A lot of service businesses also attract a low mo- a multiple agencies, particularly. Yep. So if you're a marketing agency, basically when someone buys you, it's for your customers. It's yep. a customer acquisition. And game. a historical customer list as well for them to go and try and resell. Yeah. So you don't get a great multiple within that. Yep. Now, conversely, excellent business models for cash flow. Completely. Completely. That was a. Uh, it's funny that you walk through this. Like from my lens, uh, obviously, I had SaaS companies. And the whole objective and the end game for them was always sell out to the point of like, how do I pay myself as minimal as I possibly can now 
in order to push me for seven years, 10 years until a big sellout event happens. And then that, that's the transition point for me to go and start investing outside of business. Silicon Val- Valley is basically like that is the model. Totally. But the, <laughs> the thing I didn't realize walking into those types of businesses, Charlie, is the fact that so few actually get sold because you go... Every software that's built has got so many competitors, like ridiculous amounts of competitors that they're all trying to vie for the same clients. Yeah, but so you're making this circumstantial now. Totally. We'd still have to say that if you're in a SaaS business, the likelihood of doing a sell model is why you do it. Well, but this is the challenge, right? Because then, then you look at the stat that you were talking about, which is like two out of three uh, don't sell. And so in SaaS, like I, I would still argue that it would be about the same because when you sell, like it's not like they're going to merge it in with their existing tool set or they've got to recode it, et cetera, so they're going for a client list. All right, well, hear me out on this then. If, you, if you're in SaaS and you're going for a sell, right, you're kind of using this example, if that is the end game plan, yep. you're going to make very different decisions than uh, the guy going for cash flow. Totally. And you kind of have to, right? So if you go into SaaS and it's a very like, you know, I shouldn't say in all cases, but in a lot of cases, a very expensive uh, expedition, right? Yep. So whether it's developers, whether it's servers, startup costs, are startup huge. costs are crazy. Yep. Right. Compared to a service business, which like basically you can do the work. You can set it up today and start charging people tomorrow. Yeah. So in that model, though, you very much look at it and go, the guy who's in SaaS potentially should be reinvesting all these profits into it to get the growth to be able to make a sale. The guy's in a service business, though, because he doesn't have the sale available to him at that same multiple. Like someone in software, it's not unheard of to get a 10 times multiple. It, completely. There have been 20 times multiples. Well, I yep. can't even remember what um, Instagram was for Facebook. Oh, it, was it was ridiculous. obscene, obscene. Yeah, yep. but what a play by them. Um, anyway, coming back to this is the agency owner, though, that is looking at this and going, okay, cool. I'm not going to sell at a whole multiple, but I've got this cash advantage maybe leans into taking cash out of a business and investing it in property or share market or whatever. Whatever floats their boat in investing, I won't pick for someone. But I think that recognizing the play becomes really interesting. Really, really interesting so then, when it comes from. If I can riff on that, because one of the biggest observations that I had, and like businesses are, are doing great and they they look like at some point, knock on wood, that will sell. One of the approaches that I was taking to it was going, okay, well, what happens if this sell, de- sell event doesn't happen, right? Like, how do you play that scenario? And that was something that I just kept coming back to on going, what would I do differently if I knew what I know now when I started out and how am I playing it now? Do you want me to riff on it? Yeah, so this is where your experience is really fascinating to me. Like, Really fascinating to me is that I don't think a lot of people that get into SaaS, just using that as the example here, are aware of that risk. Totally. I think it's covered up and then also covered up to a degree because you don't see all the people that have failed or their software became obsolete or or all these other things in that world. Where And then you see the unicorns, what is celebrated on the news all the time and like that becomes the thing. Right. So you sold this like Cinderella story. It's like the, the the two greatest pieces of marketing when it comes to SaaS is like, First one is all of the articles and all the magazine covers are all the billion-dollar companies. And so, like, as a tech guy, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. You know, the second thing, infinite leverage. <laughs> it's like dangle that carrot in front of any business owner. It's like, hey, Charlie, do you want infinite leverage? Like, minimal employees and great revenue. 
I'm like, I'm all in for SaaS. <laughs> so like it's got all these like workings that are so appealing to business owners. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. So I can see why people get into it. But to your point, I was like, well, when you're in it, what does it look like to get out? And, it's, and what was it? It was Zendesk recently, right? Like they were raising money and pushing hard and they just had a sellout event where they weren't making profits every year. And they've been running for like 20 years. Like it was how hard they were pushing for that one end game, which was the sell down. But they just put in 100% of their risk into making sure that that thing was the thing that they grew from personally. And this is why I feel like this episode is such an important one. You can see that business model and end game is very fascinating. And some business models like you're talking about here are more suited to others. Some do, I will say, have multiple options though. Like I know uh, numerous business models where it's like they are great for cash flow and they're also really good to sell. Like give an example, rent roll. Yeah, so for property management businesses, once they are built up to a point, can be cash generating machines. I know they have their costs and challenges. I'm not pretending it's an easy business. But at the same time, um, once a business like that is moving, it's a very cash flow positive business that is can be fairly automated or have other people run. And there's a very hungry market to buy those businesses. Mortgage brokers. Yeah, another great one. Yeah. So like that exists, but only to that plethora of businesses. Totally. I am. Um, do you want me to walk through like how I ended up trying to play the game of SaaS in the end game? We can go through some examples here. I more want to. Well, actually, I take that back. We're going to come back to this because I'll make this point and then we'll get into the because your thinking's evolved, which has been really fascinating <laughs> totally. to go through here. All right, so point number one, just to recap on that, is that you want to have some awareness of there needs to be an end game. Totally. Right? You really do. And point number one, or sorry, point number two now, is different end games are available for different businesses. Play the hand that works for your business model. If you're in a business that it makes sense to do a cash flow model into investing outside your business, lean into that. If you're going for a sell and you're determined on that, don't go for cash flow. Like. Yep. Give yourself the best chance of success in getting a sale. I think that's a really, really important thing. And then the point number three is like, do it intentionally. Like, don't be that point uh, business owner that gets to, and, and I'm sure we've heard the stories, like 50 or 60. And that's like, oh, yeah, like I'll sell it. And then it's like, that's when you start, when you thought it would take a couple of months and it takes like five years to set up a business for sale in some cases. Totally. I actually really like that point because, and I know we've spoken about this before, is yeah, that in be intentional about it. It's like to use your agency example is imagine that you walked into that agency going, I'm building this thing to sell, right? And so what you did was you just pushed all of this cash into getting new clients, getting new employees, building out processes, systems, everything. And then you got to the end and you're like, two times multiplier on profits. Oh, man. <laughs> it's like, and like, this is not going to be my retirement fund. And, but imagine you walked into it and you go, well, I knew roughly what agencies we're going to exit for and that's not going to be like the end all and be all and i'm not going to be able to retire and live on a beach and do what i want to do on it that's fine i'm just going to play every month of extracting cash flow and profits and i just know that it will be appealing to somebody at the end but it's not going to be a massive payday it is just going to be a year or two of profit play the hand you got but understand the hand you've got (laughs) Don't, don't play face down. <laughs> Which is where I feel a lot of people are today. <laughs> totally. They're not, they're not picking up the cards. They're not looking at it. They're just putting chips in. <laughs> I think we also undervalue health, I will say. There's a lot of business owners that set themselves up like they're going to be able to go at this level forever. That is if they're not going to have a family. 
as if they're not going to have financial trouble, as if something's not going to happen that needs pulls them away from doing it. I would like to think we can go this hard in our 80s and 90s, but the realities are that that's probably not the case. So totally. an end game of some kind is going to be forced on you at some point. At some so point. being intentional about it is a, is a really, really big thing here. I agree. All right, so let's let's jump topics here and go into it because your, your thinking's really evolved here and it's been an interesting interesting journey to watch. So can you uh, tell the story a little bit and like transitionally how you've thought about it like now versus before? Yeah, so at the start, I, coming back to that point around like infinite leverage, so I had agencies and then I'm like, oh, what's going to be a better leverage? And then I started building e-commerce stores and then I sold e-commerce stores and I'm like, oh, that's not the good leverage. And inadvertently, I ended up getting into software as a service, which is SaaS. Right, so hunting for a better vehicle. Always looking for the better vehicle. Yeah. And that was like the infinite game of better business model. Do you know what? I was so jealous of you at that time. Can I describe why? Yeah. Because I did agency that whole time. And here you are evolving and growing and doing these other things. And I'm like, yep, still running an agency. <laughs> yeah. It was like that. It was fantastic. Only if you knew what it felt like on the inside. Well, I, I had the <laughs> obligation of a mortgage. Yeah, totally. Right, so I was like, I didn't feel to be in a position where I could go and start an e-commerce brand because of all the costs associated totally. with stock and stuff. And then it was like the SaaS thing where you're in there. And I'm like, no, I need to make my cash flow to pay this mortgage. So it was kind of a trap to a degree, although it worked out in different ways. But that's how I felt at that time, as if it was real, different story. That's the feeling, the feeling. I had. The ex- external. Like, this is completely. Uh, totally. So anyway, so then I moved into software as a service and I invested in a company, ended up, uh, selling out of the agency and I actually ended up closing uh, a lot of the e-commerce brands that I was running as well. I even stopped another sort of process-driven SaaS that I was building and went all in on this thing. And so uh, what a lot of people don't know is that I actually put so much money in over a two-year period that I didn't pay myself. I stopped all my businesses over, I think it was the first 12 months is when I stopped it. And I was injecting cash to pay for uh, like five figures a month into developers so i'd gone from making good cash to having like a good stockpile to then just like bleeding heavy into it right how, how did you equip yourself from that because i just highlight this here is like for myself i i'm very orientated to see cash flow as a good sign that's totally. what i'm wired for and that's what i'm looking for i can imagine you sitting there where it's like you're potentially making what at this point like 20 grand a month yeah. or something like that in profits you're used to the lifestyle used to your bank account going up you go into this SaaS thing and then you are all of a sudden contributing that 20 grand a month. And not, and then that 20 grand a month turns into like nothing. Were you, were you so certain on it that you were just like, I can see the long game here, I'm up for this, I knew this was going to happen? Or did that just, you so were was, confronted by that as it, as it got in? Great question. It was transitionary. It became uh, starting out going, I can do both. I can I can bring in some cash flow and I can build this and what I'll do is I'll I'll create too much team like I'll just build a huge team and the team will run but then that team needed more leadership and I'm like okay well I need to give this team more leadership because my two business partners couldn't because they just didn't have the knowledge in it so I'll lean in and I'll spend some more time and then we we're starting to under deliver on the other side of the business and I'm like well I can't solve that problem because I need to solve this other problem so then I started like dwindling it down and that's when I sold off some e-commerce stores and that's when I went and just closed some other sort of little niche so sites that I had your time and Comple- cash. completely and then it got to a point about 12 months in I'm just like probably even less might have been 8 months in I'm just like I'm out I'm like I got to stop doing this other stuff and go all in on this because this is going to be the legacy that I want 
And the legacy that I was going for was we, and we still talk about it, it's a hundred million dollar exit. Is like this number that's always up on this mountain, and it's just like you're going for the hundred million dollar exit. All right, so Grant's wired at this point to go. I'm contributing, and I don't know if it was twenty grand a month. I'm just making that up. But you, you're contributing X amount of dollars per month for the eventual put, yes, pay down. Six figures in over two years. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, the eventual dream here is that we're going to sell for a hundred mil. Exactly. Exactly. And so then. Uh, it took us two years to build the product. <laughs> we actually sunk about seven figures in to build it in total. And then it was like in the hands of the very first customer. And so then as we progressed and I, I ran that business for like, call it seven years with my business partners and we put in external CEOs, et cetera. Uh, and then it got to a point probably in about year five that I was starting to look into going, what if it doesn't happen? Like what happens in this event? See, do you know what's so interesting? You had a what if moment early on. Yeah. How old were you at this point? Uh, would have been this would have been like five years ago, so just before thirty-ish. All right, so you're just before thirty-ish. For many business owners, that question only comes out sixty. 60. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. And then, how much runway is there to change the plan of the end game? Uh, totally, if at all, or totally. double down if appropriate. Yeah. And that it was funny. I was, and I've covered that story before of like Hazel going, "Why do we keep looking to invest in other businesses and all this kind of stuff?" And I'm like, "I don't have a good answer for you." <laughs> but it turns out that I was just so concerned about the volatility, I just didn't know it at the time. I was just like uh, looking at other stuff, but really internally, I was just like, "I was shit scared" because I'm like, "What happens if like if this thing doesn't work out?" Well, interest rates go up. The access to cash, right? Totally. There's a lot of things that can impede your hundred million dollar exit that aren't even that aren't within your control. Dilutions. <laughs> so then, as you, I feel like we could do a whole episode <laughs> on dilutions. I so really then, do. Yeah. So then, like as I was progressing, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, how do I push this thing forwards? And so uh, we're growing very good at that stage. Uh, we'd gone through like a resize and come out of it really good. Uh, but then I was looking at it going, okay, well, I can continue punching down here. And if I take a swing of the bat and I miss, the unfortunate outcome is the fact that I got nothing. Like I'm restarting again because I've put in everything that I have. I'm, I'm, we all, all founders have and shareholders have capped salaries, which means I'm like, I can't really save a whole heap of cash. And I'm like, so where am I going to go from here? So your future depends on this business depends salary. Depends on this thing. Like, and the, like, the salary and stuff that I was getting, like most people would look at and go, that's a decent salary because I was an executive of my own startup and stuff like that. But it's just not in comparison to actually running a business that's like a, the service businesses that I was running. And I'm like, I, I know I can earn more every single month and this is just swinging for the fences now. So this is really interesting. Um, a question I'd love to ask around this, do you feel it's appropriate to go all in? Like if you're going for a sale, Surely there was something in that of backing yourself to give yourself confidence back against the wall that totally. made that the right decision if you are going for a sale. Totally. Uh, it's funny. When we did that Die With Zero episode, it really sort of brought up some good wounds. Uh, I thought that the journey was going to take five to seven years. And so I was always packed in for five to seven years and we'd hit huge hurdles and all these things. I think it's going to turn out to be a 15-year journey. Wait, you mean businesses hit hurdles? <laughs> At the time, Charlie, I did not expect they hit hurdles and I did not expect the timelines could blow out. Back to this fallacy, right? <laughs> totally. We just feel like, oh, we get to 60, the business is going to sell, kids are going to take this over. It's gonna, technology is not going to come and change things. Like, There's never going to be a competitor that will swing in and offer cheaper products or all these things. Not at all. But, yeah, and so then I got to sort of that point. I'm just like, okay, no, I need to start investing outside and doing something outside of this. And that was why I kept bringing investment ideas to Hazel to say, hey, like, like, what about this? What about this? 
And then she's like, at what point do we personally have wealth as a family outside of just your business ventures? And like a, at that time, I had equity in like five, six different companies. Like it was just of stupid. course you did. It was that just is such a great marital like- <laughs> move. Uh, and it's fascinating in a comparison because we're, we're friends at this point. Totally. And it's like you're doing that. And I have to say, if you look at the Silicon Valley Playgroup book, you're doing what you're supposed I to be doing. I was doing all what, yeah. what my heroes were doing. Yeah. Conversely, me running by side you uh, here, but with a very, very different set of beliefs and experiences. Completely. So uh, my – and I'm only overlapping these just so people can understand the end game part. I right? think it's a great comparison. Yeah. So you're playing out the end game of a sell in a business that is appropriate to sell. All right. I'm running my agency at this point and even after I sold my agency, I started a different type of agency. <laughs> so I stayed in agency. All right. There we go. Anyway, point being is – although I will say I having the clean state, and starting again, I did get to fix a lot of the things that <laughs> that you stuffed over the start. Yeah, I <laughs> dropped the legacy stuff. All and this, you you're looking for someone to tell, like, hey, play. who wants to see how much better this is? <laughs> anyway, point being is that I'm looking at this and going, well, I have no plans to sell. Ironically, I sell a business and you don't. Yeah, which is hilarious Brilliant. at this point. Um. Anyway, ironically, is like I end up back in agency after not buying and selling businesses because I'm looking at this. What was going on? And going, this is a minefield. <laughs> Anyway, all right, so I'm doing this, but the key differential is I'm taking business, oh, sorry, taking cash out of business and I'm investing in property. Completely. So my strategy of endgame goes, look, along the way, my plan is to extract cash. Even if I have to run this business or be the face of it, I'm, I'm cool with that, but I'm going to dump proceeds in a property along the way and I'm going to ca- compound these investments. Hopefully, we get to the same point. So endgame's the same. Grant's just going to sell his business. Yep. That's going to make him financially independent. I'm going to accumulate my business, accumulate assets along the way to get to that same financially independent point. So just different end games appropriate to the business. Well, it's funny that you actually mentioned that. Like you want one and a half maybe of me starting that SaaS. I actually had a massive meeting with my accountant to plan out how I would take X amount of dollars if we were to sell at 100 million and just ran that scenario and how I would invest that into property because that was the way that I saw that I would actually be able to live off like rental income and because I'm like you can't go and take a good chunk of money and just live off that for the rest of your life and so I knew that I had to do some kind of investing at the end and so as I was going it's funny that you had that you started thinking about that and dealing with it at the start because I'm like that's not going to be enough money like when I hit that I'm like no I got to do something and so I had to make sure they had structures in place and like based on his advice and all these kind of things and I'm like okay cool now I'm ready Um, because it got to this point and then fast forward to that point it was like okay well what are you doing and I'm like great where does the probability sit that I'm going to be the one that will make this business be the exit versus someone else who's done it before and all those kind of things. I'm like, look, maybe we could just put in someone else who's done the thing and we can dilute, we can do all that kind of stuff to make sure that they're the ones that push it to the end whilst I go and invest along the way. And that was like literally the, a huge pivot and like a massive right turn that just went, okay, well, now I'm going for a different end game of just going, cool, like that will continue itself. It'll, knock on wood, it should sell down and it should sell out, sorry. Uh, and I should have a very happy day when it does. But it's like that's the difference in path that I ended up taking after I saw seven years, eight years in the the future path that I'd have to take in order to get it there. I think you highlight the risk here in a really interesting way. Do you believe, and this is a believe, there's no right answer, 
that going all in on an exit is just significantly more risky than taking cash out along the way. So the, it was actually interesting when you brought this up just before I was thinking about it. So when we did that Die With Zero episode, um, one of the greatest concepts around it is like seasons of life. Like you're never going to have high school again. You're never going to have university again. You're never going to be in your 20s again or your 30s, etc. And so for me, at that time of my life, it was the right thing to run for. Like I didn't have... I, I would agree. I think yeah. it, while you may not have the financial reimbursement you are looking for right now or had intended on, it grew you substantially in skill. Totally. I was in boardrooms of like global CEOs running billion-dollar companies and stuff like that. I was like, this is amazing. But to, to that point, I'm like, if I was in my 20s, hells yeah, dude. I'm going to swing for the fences. Why? Because... The, if I swing and a miss, like I can still go and build stuff. You were okay with starting. 100%. But now, like I'm 35, I'm like, I'm about to start a family. I'm about to go to all the, have all these other things I need to worry about that's outside of myself. <laughs> and I can't be selfish on this. I'm like, that's just a completely different hat I have to put on. And I think that's where a lot of business owners who are sort of might not be in a relationship or might not have a family or anything like that need to understand that it's finite. Like you might have three years, five years, 10 years before that happens and you don't even know when you're going to have it. It was funny. I met Hazel like it would have been a couple of weeks prior to me going on stage talking at an event saying that I'm going to be single. I'm 30. I'm going to be single for like the next five years. And literally she's like, we just started dating. <laughs> and she's like in the, in, the, in the audience going, who is this guy? <laughs> like it was horrendous. Like I was just so gun-ho on it. You're but so then, determined. Yeah, but then like I met her and things changed. It was like that. And then so then to her credit, like she supported me for years on that change. So she knew that's where I was punching hard for. But then it got to this point where it was just too much. It's like, hey, like the risk is getting high. She's like, now if I want to start a family and I see they're going to be you with you or someone else, and I'm for waiting a little bit longer, but just tell me how much longer I have to wait. And I'm like, I don't know the answer. And she's like, well, it's a pretty shitty response. <laughs> It's interesting. Um, just I find it so fascinating how different our beliefs are and experiences here. Because yeah. um, what stopped me from making transitions like you did, right? So going all in on a SaaS. Well, actually, a few things. One, I didn't have a good idea, right? So I didn't have anything I felt was worth going all in on. I'll put that out there. Maybe if I did, I would feel differently. But Two, though, is the obligation thing. Yeah. So it's like I had a mortgage at this time, which I was like, well, if I go into a SaaS. I'm not, I'm not willing to sell my house. Totally. And you mentioned the idea of family. Like if someone's a business owner and they've got kids, so if you've got young kids, how are you supposed to sit there and go, do you know what? I'm selling everything and I'm going all in on this idea. That's a, a much bigger hurdle to jump. Not impossible. People do it. But it's like that is so much higher a hurdle to jump that you may not be up for compared to your situation of being young and single, kind of. <laughs> um, we love you, Hazel. Yeah, yeah, um, kind of. But that being a very different thing. But even being okay with starting over again at a point. Totally. And I was. I was I was completely fine with it. If everything burnt to the ground, I'm like, I know my skill set. I know that I can start another business and I know that I can get myself out of this. It was just at what point do I stop delaying having family and doing all those kind of normal, normal-ish things. But this stuff needs to come into the end game. I, I have seen it go wrong for far too many people that it just the risk in playing the sellout endgame to me personally just seems dumb. Definitely. Now it's so funny in hindsight, I can see the same things. So. 
Yeah, like I, I won't tell the story again. I've told it enough on this <laughs> podcast. Is about like my my dad having everything in his business, and then when he had a workplace accident, he yep. lost everything. And then um, when I was nineteen, uh, one of my friends got given a successful carpentry business. Given, well, I guess that's the that's, that's passing that's the it on. Pass it on. No, that's, it sounds like it was a forced onto him. <laughs> It was like you're taking it. Well, I think we should cover this one as well. We're very much going through the perspective of like we're talking about service and SaaS, which doesn't have a body requirement. Totally. If you're a concreter, your days are numbered. You can't do that forever. Yeah, when you get to X If you're days. a carpenter, like you, it's a very physical thing. And like a lot of those guys don't make it in. I would think there's not many carpenters that are over 50. Fair. fair. Right? A lot of their bodies give out. It's a very like hard, laborious work. So, like, your end game in that type of business is you need to have built a company where you're managing a building company or you move into other roles. Yeah. So, uh, point being is in that case, it was. It was passing. Yeah, because the guy was retiring. Yep. He's like, oh, my body can't take this anymore. He's like, I'm going to pass this on to you. I'm going to go. I think he ended up becoming a, a supervisor at a construction company or something like that because his, his body couldn't do it. But point being is, like, everything in the business, lost it all, ended up divorced. All of wow. it is down. Yeah. Well, he probably bankrupt and now stack shelves at Kmart. That's outrageously unfortunate. Oh my gosh. This is where I look at it and go like the risk associated with having everything all in business is just too high for me. So yeah. The end game strategy I've selected is the accumulator one for me. And I know that's like partially, I mean, you still have potentials to sell out and I know you've totally. recently sold some stuff, but I think there's value in that. I would go on saying here that if you are a person that is more conservative and low risk, it doesn't make sense to do a SaaS or something in that way. You want it's to for people who hate themselves, it's fine. Just like golf. <laughs> 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 totally. totally. Uh, and even to this point here, the, the pass it on or the cash cow business, like there's ways of evolving your business model today. So we'll, we'll do this from our perspective. We're in our mid-30s now, middle age grand. Don't say that out loud. From here to our 40s, let's say 10 years, from 35 to 45. Got it. There is immense opportunity across now where we could start transitioning. We'll use the media company as an example, right? So the media company does uh, podcasting services. Over the next 10 years, we could build more of our own podcasts that are their own assets. Yep. So that turns into more like a rent roll business or a royalty business or something like that. Or we could build a podcast and sell a podcast if that became part of the strategy. Yep. Or if you get very intentional about the end games, you can do things. However, if the strategy is cash flow, what makes the most sense is doubling down on what we're currently doing. Totally. It's not going to sell. We are in uh, more the face of it, but that's okay. That's what we're looking for. I think it's appropriate. I think it's, it's funny that you say that. I think it's there are so many examples of ways that people have made a stupid amount of money in the same business doing different things. Like to use that example, there's so many examples of people who have had media companies that have sold out and done very, very, very well for themselves. But there are so many examples for people that have like pulled out monthly profits, very healthy monthly profits that have done very, very, very well for themselves. It's not that one is better than the other. It more aligns to stage of life, your risk tolerance, but what also you your type of business. Yeah, and what you enjoy. Can well. I use an excellent example of this? Do it. Joe Rogan versus Gimlet Media. Completely. So Joe Rogan has licensed and like he he can't retire. He can't just like his end game is he's paying to do the thing. He's yep. transitioned into lifestyle. He's built something he's never going to stop doing. And he loves it. Completely. Yep. But look at the way he's done his licensing. He's yep. probably got very good assets around it. 
and I think good on him, excellent. Gimla Media, on the other hand, is a guy that built these shows that he's not in and then ends up selling to Spotify as well. Yep. It's the irony of that Spotify ended up being the funder it's, of both of them. And it's this, But it's the same outcome. It's just a completely different way of getting there. Yeah, great examples, by the way. Great examples. All right, so I, I'm going to shape this around to the next part of this conversation and just some questions that I think are really interesting. <clears throat> Do you think it's worth selecting? If you're someone right now and you're like, I haven't put any intention into this and I don't like what I've got in front of me, is the end game that's available to you a reason to shut down a business and start a new one with an appropriate end game? That is exactly what I did. <laughs> Except for shutting it down. That was, that was what I did. I looked at it and I said, based on where I'm at and where I'm trying to get to, this vehicle is not the vehicle that's going to get me there. And I'm, or it, I just don't have the certainty that I want based on that time of life, that stage of life. I need to find a solution so this thing can continue on and I can continue guiding it. I just need to find another vessel, another vehicle. How many years do you think someone needs to appropriately have ahead of themselves to make an end game work well? That's a great question. That's a great. Do you know, it wasn't even on the list. No, it Just wasn't on the me. list. <laughs> oh, it's so it, it would be so situational based on what they've currently got. So depending on where the stage of the business if, is, if at. you got a business that's spitting out great cash flow every single month in your personal bank account, like you would have five, ten years, and you'd be fine. Like again, it just varies on how I, much. I feel cash like five flow. is the minimum. What? But if you've got a business that's ready to sell right now. And you're like, I want to start a family and something like that. And maybe I don't want to dive for the next five years into making this thing innovate and making it change. I think that's so assumptively. And I'll, tell you, why, I'll tell you why. I have been lucky enough to be around, be around many people that have sold a business. Many. Yep. And in every circumstance, every, it has taken substantially longer to prepare the business for sale than they thought it would. I can and the duration for them to actually sell the darn thing and hand it over and golden handcuffs or whatever comes with it for them to see that out. If you are someone who's really serious about selling your business or you come to it, it's a five year game. No, I, I, I get you on that. The no, uh, you know what? I will concur. The angle for myself is more going like to go, I don't like where I'm at and then like make some kind of change. Like, because you can say, I don't like where I'm at and change it now and just close the darn thing and go into a completely different but business. That, but that might be the option for you. It's totally. But if you want to sell. So if that, you're wanting to package it up and sell it, yeah, you're in for three years, five years. Like, that's a world of. Three yeah. would be a stretch. It'd be. So I'm saying, like, if you've got a media company that's appealing to other people, or you've got like a 2IC that wants to buy it from you, or like people have already knocked it on your door or something. Like, I had a competitor come and buy my e commerce store, and it was such a quick sale. It was done in six months. That, that's different though. That's not an intentional end game. That's opportunistic. I definitely wanted to get out of it. Yeah. <laughs> and well, was like, the, like me with my agency, someone approached me and do you know what the part of that is, is that I look at that and go, I got absolutely done in a roll up and they made a fortune. I, I did. I've seen that happen so much in marketing companies. It's amazing. Yeah. So for those of you playing at home, a bigger organization bought three agencies, rolled them into one and then cut costs because you only need one accountant one bookkeeper to manage that and then they upsold to a bigger agency and a higher multiple um, because of the value they were able to create. Yeah, so I got in this example, let's use this one through just under a two multiple. Yep. All right, if I was going to intentionally sell that business, right, and go after it, I would have done it completely differently. 
So number one is I might have built a process or a type of IP around the way we do ads that someone could only get here. So the value of buying my agency now just isn't the client book. It's like they've got a method they're known for. Totally. Number two is I would have taken myself off the face of it and had it uh, be stronger as a standalone asset. So there was never a conversation in the meeting where they tried to like negotiate it down. Because you won't be there. Yeah, you know, the clients know you. So, you know, you can't sell from that. Number three, I would have diversified marketing better. So I would have been like, look, we've got three channels we can acquire customers for. It doesn't matter if the internet turns off, we can still get business. You know, it's funny. That was what limited my e-commerce store. Like, that's, what killed, of- that's what killed me on the value. Because <laughs> <laughs> all of all, everything that we had came from SEO. <laughs> the guy's like, what happens if Google changes? I'm like, sounds like your problem, not mine. <laughs> but this is the difference about being intentional. And you could see how long some of these things totally. would, would take to set up and do well. And to go even further, if you're busy running your business, you might have to first hire people to free you up the time to actually set this up for a good sale. Totally. And then not to mention, like, you can totally cut your costs and run an oily rag to make it profitable for six months, 12 months. And when they look back at the figures, they're like, oh, this is actually a really profitable business. They're like, yeah, and imagine not paying me. Things like email lists as well. Yeah. If you built a good database, that can add to the valuation of a business in a big way. Totally. And all of a sudden, like my uh, agency in this example would have gone from a two model. Well, I might have been able to get a three or a three and a half. And that's a significant difference. Now, again, not the greatest business model to sell, but that's just more like where the five years can get chewed up. Totally. And the one they always forget, if you do sell it, it's very likely you have to hang around for a year, even in a small over. capacity to hand it over and make sure it goes well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so we've spoken through and we'll, we'll go through this, the different end games that exist. Four. There are sell out, pass it on, cash cow, close it. Those end games are very available to very different business models depending on what you're in. Totally. I think that's a really important point. We'll call it five-year minimum for the uh, duration you want to be thinking out on this. Yeah. So if you're here today, is it, if you've got a, at least a five-year window, ideally more though, I will say, you can be very intentional about executing a strong, strong income that's appropriate for getting you to that financially independent point. I think to that to that point as well. I think there's going to be a lot of people that will unfortunately recognise that whatever mechanism or business they've got right now won't get them there. And I think the understanding the best. Wait, wait, wait. I hope it does. That's why I'm making <laughs> this episode. And so the key thing that just keeps coming up in my mind is going like you have to know what that financial freedom goal is. Because this could this business could be the, the first stepping stone towards you getting there. Yes. Right. Or you just realizing that this business is not the thing that's going to get you there because you never actually thought about is this the business that's going to get me to my financial independence or my financial freedom? Totally. <laughs> and so it's like so once you figure that out and you go, Okay, well, is this correct? And then it's like, oh, it doesn't matter. Like this could be your first of two end games. Like you could go, This business has this end game and my next one will have another end game or something like that. Like it's but, completely But no, it puts some thought and intention to it. And it doesn't mean you can't be adaptable or yeah. circumstances change, but it's like I know today why I'm in the position I am is I put intention behind it. Totally. Didn't accidentally. We talked happen. about that this morning. It was like, I, I know what I want to do. Second, you know what you want to do. Everything else falls in place. Yeah. All right. Let's round this one up. Let's do this. I just want to say thank you very much to you, Charlie, for uh, face-to-face doing a podcast. But also, I want to say thank you very much for everybody who joined us. Again, don't forget, I'm going to share to everybody if I bought my investment property over on the other podcast, which is called Property Investing with Grant and Charlie. It's propertyandinvesting.com. Just you go there. I'm really trying to hold a straight face here because like, I know the outcome. Oh, like, dun, dun, dun. 
And I just want to say thank you. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Business and Investing.